Let's Pod This is sponsored by Roast Scout. Roast Scout is the best way to discover amazing, delicious coffee from some of the nation's best independent roasters. The people at Roast Scout believe that great coffee is everywhere, but since you can't be everywhere, you might miss out. And so they've created a way to bring that great coffee to you. They work with small batch roasters from around the country to ship fresh roasted whole bean coffee direct to your door each month. Now, other subscription services typically send you just one brand of coffee month after month after month, and that's fine, but it's not great. I mean, what if there's something better out there? What if your coffee soulmate is there in some small mountain town just waiting for you to find it? Roast Scout delivers a bag of fresh coffee to you from a different roaster every single month. Sign up today at roastscout.com slash let's fix this to get $25 off a subscription of three months or more. Hey everyone, and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by Scott Nelson. Hello, sir. What's up, man? How are you? Scott, you really are at the news desk tonight. Of a fashion, yes. Which we will discuss later on in the show. Indeed. Let's go ahead and acknowledge the uh, elephant in the upper room studio, and that's that this is our second take of this. What? I tweeted about this this morning. Man, we recorded a great episode last night, and it totally got screwed over by my laptop. Yeah, it's not, it was unfortunate. I, I feel like it's ironic that Apple announced new laptops and then my MacBook crapped out at the 48th minute of our recording, right? Yes, it was like we were done. We were actually we were recording the outro and it crashed. And then you went through like an incredibly I, I, I was impressed an exhaustive process to find out how to like do the emergency We could recovery. manually, right, right, right. And, it, and if I was Dr. Dre and this was like a hit track, I might try to go through and pull those 736 individual six second segments and Until put like them in order. Again. You know what? You know what? We should come up with a like, we should build a website. That's a hazing for an intern right there. No, dude. We should do that. build a website that just splices them all back together. Just puts them back together. Well, you got to sort them by time and then and then rename them in numerical order and then put them in there. And there are some tools that would do that, but Computer we didn't want to. Room. We decided just to go ahead and re-record. We were like, will it take more or less than an additional forty-eight minutes to put it all back together? Right. So we decided we it would take more. And I, I will, I will go and say that I anticipate this episode might be slightly shorter. Y- yes, give or take. Yes, three minutes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Plus well, minus. Plus or minus. Let's again. This is this is called foreshadowing for what's going to happen. Well, and it sucks too because the first thing we're going to talk about is you get right into it. Right. The first thing we have to talk about is this poll. Right. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and the thing is, is yesterday the poll was like brand new and everybody was talking about it, and now like today it's a different news cycle, and now it's like, oh, Scott and Andy just saw the poll. No, no, we saw it on twenty four hours old. Listen, I saw it at ten o'clock on Wednesday night. We texted about it. We did. Uh, I saw Scott Mitchell. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yeah, today's Thursday. Tuesday night. Scott Mitchell posted about it. I went to the Sooner Poll website and read about it, and uh, and then they kind of had a a more formal announcement. Well, because they kind of released it. It was a News Nine funded poll, and so they released it during the ten o'clock news on Tuesday night, and then they did another thing on Wednesday morning. So let's uh yes, let's get to that, Scott. Yeah, so 
Um, we've got a, a new poll that's out that uh, looks at several statewide races in Oklahoma. It does not poll any of the congressional district races. It looks at uh, governor, lieutenant governor. Um, probably the biggest, you know, the I think the lead out of this is that um, as of Tuesday night, according to this poll, there is uh, Kevin Stitt is in the lead in the governor's race. Just um, barely. By a smidge and a hair. A hair. Uh, he is at 46.4. Uh, with Edmondson coming in at 41.6 and Chris Powell, who is the Libertarian candidate, at 3.8% of the vote. Way back there. To me, the biggest takeaway from those top-line numbers is if you were to add up 46.4, 41.6, and 3.8, you would ask yourself, hey, uh, Scott, that, uh, that, didn't, that didn't add up to 100. Why not? And you would be correct. And that's because there are 8.3% of voters who are, as of two days ago, undecided i don't know who i'm voting for yet a week it's, before the election it's coming down to the wire so it, i mean it, this election is about as close as it gets this is dangling chad close You're right for those of you who remember the 19 or the 2000 election yes. right yes uh and so i think i mean for one thing so the libertarian vote could detract from well, likely the, the Republicans, uh, right? You, you would think that the Libertarian vote would tend to pull from the Republican candidate. And so the Libertarian vote could be the difference between Stitt winning or losing. Yes. Furthermore, the I think the independent electorate, right, and of which I am a member, I'm a registered independent, depending on how that goes, it could very well sway it one way or the other. So there's roughly what, 11, 15% are independents. Yeah, uh, something like that, yeah. Either way. That's way more than the margin of error, yeah. and that's enough to sway it if if it went one way or the other, right? Yes, totally. And now, historically, independents, I think, tend to vote more liberal than, than conservative. I think in Oklahoma, I think that's true. Oh, that's true. It may not be that way in every state, but yeah. here, I think that's it. So... Um, and Keith, in fact, if you would like to know, I can actually, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, today, the last figures were posted by the state election board mm-hmm. um, detailing what the voter, what voter registration numbers are as of today. And these are the numbers that will be this. These are the votes that are at play mm-hmm. in the election. So I'm, I'm pulling it up on my, all my old and slow laptop. Tell us what the internet says, Scott Melson. Uh, it's spinning. Oh, it's, <laughs> that's what happened last night. Our thing <laughs> crashed. It's well, and so I'll, I'll say that, that uh, Keith Gaddy, the poli sci guru at OU um, had a, a pretty interesting tweet thread today yes. uh, where he broke down his impressions of this poll and he said that the independence could be the way and and that if the independence if they go for Drew Edmondson they would give him like a three to one lead yep um, and within that that small right. slice right right and so I think this is what we all expect is that Stitt will likely get. The likely Republicans, like the like the Republican likely voters, yeah. Drew will get the the likely voters on the Dems, and then then it left in play are the Independents, the Libertarians, and those who are unlikely voters, right? Yes. So the ones that that polls don't know. So when they call them, like, "Are you going to vote?" Folks, are like, I don't know. Right. The ones who may not vote in every election, and it's and so. It's tough to gauge. Yeah, you know, I I will say I think that, you know, one thing that is one thing that's interesting. Um, so when you when you look at oh, this is by age, where it's by party. I'm looking at the cross tabs here on the poll, which is something some people will tell you you should not do. Nerd alert. Um, I yeah, you know what? I just I can't help myself. I see a poll. I see cross tabs. It's uh, you know, I have to like a moth to a flame. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Give um, me that geeky data. Right. Um. So, 
uh, right now, as of this poll, um, Kevin Stitt is getting 75.5% of Republicans um, and 13.6% of Democrats. Drew Edmondson is getting 78.5% of Democrats and 11.1% of Republicans. So those are... That's pretty similar. Those are more even than they were. Earlier in the race, um, some polls had shown that... um, uh, Edmondson was outperforming Stitt in that measure a little bit in terms of cross-party voting and that Stitt was underperforming a little bit in terms of Republicans. But it sounds like some of them have maybe come home a little bit. Again, as of this poll, uh, Kevin Stitt is winning independence or uh, Kevin Stitt is losing the independent vote 32.2 to 43.4. I will say, like, in this day and age, I'm surprised that there is any legitimate cross-party voting. Mm-hmm. Because everything feels so polarized. Like, right. who are these Republicans that are voting Democrat, and who are these Dems that are voting Republican? Right, right. Like, what kind of games are they playing? And I'm, I'm not faulting anybody. I just think it's really funny, like unexpected, I guess. Yes, in, indeed, indeed. So, um, Scott, we're talking a lot about the governor's race, and that is because it is the one that is the closest. Yes. Right? Yes. So... Among other statewide races, lieutenant governor, AG, on down, those are all, from what I saw today, they all have like double-digit leads. They do, but one thing that Dr. Gaddy pointed out, which was super interesting to me, because it's, it, it, it is a point that um, had entirely escaped me, because I looked down at the races and saw, yes, uh, almost all the other statewide races have either very high single-digit or double-digit leads. They may even all be double-digit leads. However... In the statewide races, there are only a couple people that are polling above 50%, right? So uh, Joy Hoffmeister is polling at 45.4. Randy Mc- for a state superintendent, treasurer, Randy McDaniel is polling at 48.45. Uh, whereas Mike Hunter for AG is polling at 53. Cindy Bird for the state auditor inspector is polling at 51.3. So there are a lot of these, there are a lot of these other statewide races where the leader has a double digit lead. But they're polling at under fifty percent, and the yeah, so and, that, they're and, all polling. At, yeah, and undecided voters, like in the state treasurer race, yeah, like uh, there's a seventeen point lead from Randy McDaniel to Charles DeCoon, but there's twenty five percent, twenty six percent of people haven't made up their mind yet. That's right. That's legitimately fascinating to me, and I think I didn't I didn't click with me either until I saw Gaddy's tweet about that. That that to think that any of these folks would have less than half the vote means it's up for play in some some accounts. Yeah, Especially for like state treasurer because that's Randy McDaniel who's been a state rep from like Nichols Hills area. Right. And uh, and Charles DeCoon is an independent. Right. Not even a dim. Right. It means that a lot of those people have not made up their minds. I've seen a ton of his signs around here in the metro which uh, hats off to him as an independent. That's, that's tough. Tough to do it. I'm sorry. Breaking news right now. I don't uh, have a... Do, 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 yeah, do, I don't do, have do. like a... It's the same... It's the same thing. Breaking news right now. My wife is texting me that she just found one of our puppy's teeth in the mouth of our other dog. And uh, sent me a photo. So That's not great. We noticed this morning that he... So he's around five months old, the puppy. And we noticed that several of his back teeth were missing. And, you know, he just is chewing on everything. He's he's eating toilet paper off the roll like it's an apple, which is really difficult when you need toilet paper later just to have like yes. half of a roll. Yes. But yeah, she said... She picked it up. The other dog picked it up and was chewing on it. And then she sent the uh, the rather vomitous emoji. Gross. All right, well, gross. yeah. Speaking of disgusting, back to politics. <laughs> but um, Thanks for indulging me in that brief update about my fur children. 
All right, so let's talk about the governor's race, and let's talk about it from a data statistical perspective, Scott. By chance, would you have anything to do with this? And and perhaps, do we have a name for this segment? I I I think we do, but we got to intro it, right? So right, right. So I'm Andy Moore, and I'm Scott Melson, and, and this. this is, is model, model thoughts. Model thoughts. That's right. Not model talk. Oh, no, I forgot to, what it was. We have to redo that. Okay. All right. Let's try this again. Hi, I'm Andy Moore. And I'm Scott Melson. And, and this, this is Model Thoughts. thoughts. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I forgot how lackluster that <laughs> was. was what a, somewhat anticlimactic. Mediocre trumpeting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, we've been, you know, you and I have been talking a lot about what we think is going to happen in the governor's race. And folks have asked us, you know, folks, there are folks that have asked me what I think is going to happen. Some folks ask me because it's the election is on Tuesday and it's what everybody's talking about. Some folks have asked me because they know that I'm interested in politics. Some folks have asked me because we meet them out when we're out doing an event or when we're doing education or advocacy and they ask us, hey, you guys do the podcast. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen in this election? <laughs> right. And so they they haven't sounded like that for the most part. But. <laughs> Um, just my friends but as you know as we were kind of thinking how do we answer this question to me there's really especially in a race it's it'd be one thing if this was a race that was presumed to be in the decided by 25 or 30 points but in a race that's it's close there's there's a few ways you can go about it you can you know one essentially just guess right lick your finger stick it up in the air see which way the wind <laughs> is blowing and say i i think it's gonna win right the north is gonna win this yeah or you can you can be slightly more kind of you can make a more educated guess. So you can try and talk to friends. You can read polls. You can, you know, man, I talked to this guy and he's been in politics for a long time. And he, he says it's, he says it's going to be Stead, but I talked to this other guy and man, he follows this stuff real close and he says the Dems are excited. It's and he thinks it's going to be biased. Innocent. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so you, and those are, those are all very like, those are legitimate data to consider. They're qualitative, right? You can't measure those things, but, um, or at least you not, you know, any, it's difficult to measure those things, but, those are that's a that's a more it's still a guess but it's kind of a more educated guess mm-hmm. if you will the the third thing that you can do is try to come up with some kind of you know quantitative analytical systematic way to mm-hmm. to look at measurable data right and see if it tells you anything about what's going to happen and so right. that's and specifically looking at like what does history tell us? Yeah. And because history has a way of repeating itself. It, it does. It does. And so that's what we did. We here at uh, at the pod have come up with a – we've come up with a forecast. You know, we've been debating what to call this. Do we call it a model? Do we call it a forecast? And I would say I landed on forecast because this this is not technically a model. This is not a, like, simulation of the vote taking place. This is really taking – this is looking at several historical – trends measuring them to see which ones have been inf- have been influential in past elections in a statistically significant way mm-hmm. and then assuming that that correlation will hold for the upcoming election so it's it's less of a model and more of a forecast if that that's a distinction that i think is subtle but it's important well semantics are important i think we could call it the the more melson model yeah there um, you go exactly which, i like it M M&M. It's the M M&M forecast. It's the three M forecast, which yeah. my dad is a my dad was a twenty five year three M uh, alumni. The three M forecast. T M. That's right. Um, um, what do you? Uh, quick fun fact. Do you know what three M? What the actual three M's are in the name three M for the three M corporation? 
Weren't they like German, like Measure no. Schmidt or something? Nope, oh, nope, no. not remotely. Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing. Really? Their headquarters in Minnesota, and they got their beginning in Minnesota, or in yeah. mining and manufacturing. Yeah. Interestingly enough, most people know them because of Scotch tape and Post-it notes. Do you know where I first learned about the 3M Corporation? This is going to crack you up. Is it something medical? Because they're medical suppliers. They make Littman stethoscopes. Do they really? So Littman stethoscope, which a Littman... Littman that's st- the gold standard, right? They are widely regarded as like, that's that's the stethoscope you carry. This and is how you can hear people's hearts the best. Yes. And uh, Littman, at some point, I think in the 90s, was purchased by 3M. And so mm-hmm. now... Uh, that's they had a big uh, medical acquisition period there. That's when my dad, uh, towards the end of his tenure there, he was part of the medical imaging. 3M also manufactures overhead projectors that most of us of our generation had in schools, right? Dude. Like the whole, like with uh, transparencies. Oh, yeah. Like, little like, beep, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I had a math teacher. She never used the chalkboard. No, no, uh, yeah. Just She had like the, folders that were, so she oh. had her lectures. Like on transparency sheets, like in folders, and she would just one after another. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw a teacher with like the transparency on the on the roll. That oh, that you could was in, like I was in college for me. You could write and then scroll it over, yeah. and it would like move yeah. over. That was fascinating. Algebra was never the same, right? Speaking of algebra, so <laughs> so we <laughs> well came up <laughs> we came up with this uh, we came up with this forecast, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna kind of start and and walk through this and just tell you a little bit about what it is and what it does so yeah yeah so say tell me why do a forecast we kind of covered that but so tell me what what's in the forecast yeah so the first thing this this is a forecast that one this projects vote share okay so this is saying we think that you know candidate x you know drew evanson or kevin stitt is going to win this percentage of the vote in a given county, all right? So it's not a, it does not predict like uh, we think that Drew Evanson or Kevin Stitt has this percentage of a chance of winning. We don't think that it's, it's not a probabilistic forecast. This is saying we think that this is the way the vote shares will break down on a county by county level. So that's the first thing. Um, The second thing is this is a forecast that looks only at historical, um, historical, trends and specifically we looked at um, voting behavior we looked at trends in registration data we looked at um, kind of the rates of change of some of these factors and analyzed them in several different ways looking for statistically significant correlations to a sample data set Um, and at the end used the ones that had the highest correlation and the lowest level of error Um, so that's what's in the model. This is essentially a collection of different voting behaviors and changes in the makeup of the, of the electorate that we say influence election outcomes in reproducible, measurable ways. Um, what is not in the forecast is also an important question. And one thing that's not in the forecast is polling data. Um, and I think that that's a very, that's a very legitimate criticism of this right. that's, forecast because that's different than most other forecasts. yeah things. Mo- most forecasts um, include polling data ours does not include polling data and it's for several reasons but the biggest one is just um it was not practical to do that at this point we kind of got this wild hair about a month ago to come up with a forecast and at that point it was really too late for us to work out how best to use polling data in a in a way that makes sense. One of my goals for the future um, is to 
adjust the forecast by using polling data. However, I would also say that part of this forecast, one of the strengths of it, is that it doesn't include polling data. A poll is essentially you're asking someone how they are going to vote, and then you are counting on them to follow through with that and actually go up, like show up on election day and vote the way that they said that they would. You account for uncertainty. You account for all kinds of error. One of the errors being that people don't do the thing that they say they're going to do. Um, but this, this at, at the end of the day, with a poll, you're counting on someone. You're, you're kind of making a bet that voters are going to behave in the way that they say they will. With this forecast, we're not counting on voters behaving the way that they say they will. We are looking at the way they have, in fact, behaved in the past and assuming that those behaviors are going to be correlated in this election the same way they've been correlated in the last elections. Does that make sense? It makes Yeah, it does make sense. I think that's a really um, kind of I've, – I've really no-nonsense way to look at it, right? Like we're trying to say this is what's happened historically, and and things could be different this year, but – as we all know, history has a is a powerful force, and so like even though there may be variations among certain cities or counties, it, right. on the whole, it doesn't right. vary that much. One of the other th- things that's that's hard about using polls in a state like Oklahoma. So one, we only have seven like seven polls, I think, for this race, which is not zero, but it's not like you know a presidential election where there will be hundreds and hundreds of hundreds. It's so not North Dakota, yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that's for all you nerds out there. That's a that's a that's a very nerdy politics joke because this North Dakota Senate race has like three polls in it, and North Dakota is notoriously difficult to poll because they don't have parties, and there's some funny ways that they do voter registration. They but don't have parties? Maybe it's that they don't have. I, it's something weird up there. Anyway, if you're from North Dakota, tweet us and tell us about it. But um, um, polls, you know, only look at a they look at a very very small slice of the electorate, like the Sooner Poll forecast or the Sooner Poll poll that was released this week. Um, looked at 447 likely voters, um, which is a good size sample, but it's significantly less than the 2.1 million registered voters in Oklahoma. Um, one of the things that we did is we looked at voting behavior on a county by county level. So, for instance, it's entirely possible that in the poll that was conducted by Sooner Poll, there's no one from Beckham County in that poll, right? But Beckham County is accounted for in our forecast because we looked at their voting behavior and it's part of the forecast. Does that Makes sense at all? Yes. So I feel like this is a good way to look at the entire state. Um, And, you know, I think it's important to mention, too, we are looking at voting behavior, but we're looking also at rates of change in voting behavior. So it's not as simple as, oh, this county voted this way in 2006, so there's a chance they're going to vote this way in 2010. That's part of it, but it's also looking at how the electorate is changing and the way voting behavior changed over that time period as well. Does that make sense at all? Yes. Okay. So, so that's what's in the model and then it's what's not in the model. I keep calling it a model and it's a forecast. I said, I wasn't going to do that. Damn it. It's a forecast. That's what's in the forecast and not in the forecast. Um, other things that are not in the forecast, and this is really, really important. We did not start with an outcome that we wanted to see and work backward to try. Right. We're not, right. We're not trying to, we're not trying self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Here. We didn't. We didn't stop and say, "Hey, we want so you know, we want Kevin Stitt to win." So we're going to build a model that says Kevin Stitt wins. Mm-hmm. We started from the data and built it forward. And um, I honestly, I've run two major like iterations of this outside of the sample data, trying to make a projection, um, and been surprised both times. Well, it's gone both ways. Right. 
Um, when we we updated updated the data today, yeah, and it ran the, the other way. So we yeah. we previously had Stitt leading, yeah, and now we have have Drew leading. Well, do thanks you, for just breaking the news there. I was well. Do you want to say? I've, I've, <laughs> yeah. I got ahead of myself here. So, so uh, as of today, our forecast uh, we would we would forecast that. Uh, the next governor of Oklahoma will be Drew Edmondson. Um, the race is so freaking close. It's uh, a hair's breadth, a cat's whisker, if you right, will. Because we recorded this last night, and it was Kevin Stitt. Yes. Um, and that's because there was some new information that we were able to put in today. It's some information. Fascinating. Yeah. That, and, and the reason we ran it last night without that was because I was not sure we were going to be able to get that data mm-hmm. um, in time for the election. Hats off to the election board, though. Uh, but we did get it. And the reason that it's different is because the the um the version of the forecast that we had last night doesn't have as many variables as the version that we ran today hmm. but the version that we ran today um is actually has a lower standard of a lower standard error um across the it's more reason. accurate yeah it's more accurate and it also um accurately it more accurately predicts outcomes in the test data does Interesting. that make right. sense because you've like run it on previous years to see if the result from this model matched the result of reality right and so that's there's um you know i really this is a really important point i think to make because one of the questions is all right so you're saying edmondson is you're saying edmondson's in the lead or edmondson's gonna win or he's the favorite however you want to say it we're not saying we're, that we're saying that's yeah true we're saying edmondson is going to win we're saying on election day this is what's gonna happen we're, we're saying there's a chance but there's an equal chance that he might lose. Well, now you're not confusing equal. people. Well, yes, we're equal. just saying because it's not it's not a probabilistic matter, right? So what we're should we just start this whole part over? Well, just say it. So we are saying that Drew Evanson is going to win our, fifty. Our forecast says he's going to yeah, win. Our prediction: um, fifty-one point. Now I gotta pull it back up because I don't remember the number. 51, uh, 51.48 to forty-eight point five two. However, the error there is plus or minus three point two four percent. So what that means is it is just as likely that Drew Robinson could win fifty-four point seven two to forty-five point two eight. But it is also just as likely that Kevin Stitt could win fifty-one point seven six to forty-eight point two four. I will like, say that my personal bias is that I don't like decimal points in this situation. All right, so then you can. <laughs> So if you're gonna if you're gonna be like Andy and you're gonna round up Edmondson the the forecast projects that Edmondson would win fifty one to forty nine. Mm. If you add plus or minus three points to that, then you get Edmondson fifty four to forty five um, on the high end, and then you get uh, Stitt fifty two to forty eight on the low end. It's so close. This is I mean it's honestly fascinating. And I said this last night when we recorded is that I had joked to you over text this week that I kind of wish it was a more clear cut thing so that we, we didn't have the chance of being wrong, like the wrong person. It's like the difference between saying, well, it's like a 80 or a 90% chance of rain today. Like it's probably going to rain either way, but we're saying like it might rain or it might not. And that matters to people. right? Right. And so, and you know, one thing that's point we've talked about like how accurate this is and people, I assume we're going to ask like, well, how accurate do you think your forecast is? Um, well, that depends on what you mean by measuring accuracy, right? So right. if your if your measure of accuracy is in the test data, how often does the model correctly predict the winner of the governor's race? The answer is 100% of the time. <laughs> um, however, a huge caveat to that is that all of the test sets 
were in elections that were lopsided to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it predicted the so overall the fact- outcome correctly, but the outcome was so skewed. Right. You'd have to have a really, really terrible forecast to get it wrong. Right. So, so I think, I mean, in this year it is legitimately close, right? Right. And, and it really, every person I ask, including the folks that are like in the know, yeah, you get, it's tied. It's tied. It's like tied. I bet half the folks I've asked have been like, "Oh, he's gonna win," and the other right. half are like, "No, the other guy's gonna win." And then there's a, a contingent that's like, "Man, I don't know. Right. I'm so nervous." You know, kind of the next way that you could look at how accurate is the forecast is all right. We looking, we're looking at vote share on a county by county basis, mm-hmm. right? So, how accurate is it in predicting? the winner of the race in a particular county. Right, right. And the answer is 94%. So Whoa, in the really? Yeah, in the sample so data... So if we wanted to know who wins LaFleur County... In the sample data, we correctly predicted the outcome of that, that right, that county mm-hmm. um, 94% of the time. However, I would submit to you that particularly in a race that is this close, that is not the way that you want to assess accuracy because... This is a winner take all situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or it's mm-hmm. not, this is not a winner take all situation. If you win Adair County, there's not like an electoral college, right? There's no right? electoral college. So if but, you win Adair County, fifty two to f- you know fifty or fifty two to forty eight, right? You get fifty two percent of those, but your opponent still gets forty eight percent, right? So right. You so both you, you both get votes from that county, right? Right. And and in some of these counties that are small, right? You might. I mean, that's the difference between like sixty two hundred votes and like. 16,000 votes. Right. Well, or 60,000 votes. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's really close. I'm saying, right. like, because some of our counties have a, a voting population that's less than 10,000. Oh, and lots so, of them. And so just a few votes skew the percentage a lot. And yeah. so that can kind of throw off some of that, so, but not throw off the election itself. To me, the best way, the best way to assess how accurate this is, is to look at what's called the standard error, the standard error of the standard error of the sample, the standard error of the residual, that's that's what we would use. And what that's saying is, all right, when you're looking at a given county, how, what percentage of the time does the forecast accurately predict the vote totals or the vote share, rather, in that county within the standard error? Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the answer is 73%. Interesting. That's, so that's still pretty decent. So we would say that our projections, county by county, are within the are within the the margin of error seventy three percent of the time, which is not ninety five, but um, it's not fifty fifty either. Right, right. So, anyway, what do you have other other questions about the forecast that I can answer for you? I don't think so. I think you've covered it fairly extensively especially for the purposes of this episode yes i think i mean because what will happen is that we will we'll continue to look at this and then on election night at our election night show we'll we'll kind of cast out into the world some kind of prediction right from this and then we'll see what happens and then next week in next week's episode we will have a follow-up and discuss how accurate it was or was not right and and if it was not even if it was like invariably there will be areas that we missed right and so we'll be able to know like which counties and maybe account for why like because again this there's no way to accurately predict who is going to turn out and how they're going to vote necessarily you can you can have a guess but in reality, you it might not be 100% yes. accurate. That is So this is a great question. Um, 
or a great issue, and I forgot to bring this up. I assume that this is going to come up from someone. Is how is how does the forecast account for turnout? And the answer is, in the most simple explanation, it doesn't. This is a forecast that is independent of turnout. Um, now, some of the variables that are included account for turnout indirectly, but they assume that turnout is going to look and feel and be about the same as it is in the typical governor's election in Oklahoma. But even if it's not, if you were to say turnout across the board is 60% or turnout across the board is 40%, rather than looking at the typical turnout by county, which is how we came up with the vote share, with the uh, actual number of votes that we project, um, the outcome doesn't change. The proportions of votes awarded to each candidate don't change. The only thing that changes is the vote total. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Now, where that could be a source of error or where that is a source of error is if a particular group, whether it's Democrats, Republicans, independents, or a particular county, turns out in ways that are not consistent with their historical behavior, mm-hmm. that kind of throws a wrench into the whole thing. That's fair. Um, so that's one thing. The other place that's a source of error here is for the sake of simplicity, we looked at we allocated vote share to Democrat and Republican candidates only mm-hmm. um, because it gets significantly yeah. more complicated. Yeah. Additional variables, um, yeah. Um, when you're looking at 100% as the goal and just dividing that proportionally among two people, um, just mathematically is a lot simpler than doing it among three. Interesting. Great. Hey, uh, hats off to you, Scott, for doing your work with this. I know we've talked about this a lot, but I will fully admit that you have been the uh, you've been the pack mule that's carried most of this. So, well, I get into it, and then I'm like, "Oh, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be." But now I, yeah. But despite all of out. my statistics training, I have not retained as much as you have, apparently. <laughs> so, well done. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss uh, how to form a voting plan, which is very important. That is vital. Right back. All right, we're back, and now we're going to talk about a voting plan, and we're going to do this in place of our question of the week. The question of the week is, what is your voting plan? Scott, do you have a voting plan? I do, Andrew. What is your voting plan? Uh, To vote. Well, that's great, Uh, but let's get a little more detail on that plan. So, for a number of reasons. One, because... uh, one, because I think that voting uh, Election Day should be a national holiday. Uh, two, because I love Election Day. Three, because we have something going on Election Day night. The election night show. Um, I actually took off work on Election Day. Me so too. So I will be voting in the middle of the day at an as yet undetermined time. Okay. But so probably you... in the morning. Okay. So let's talk about the uh, ins and outs of forming a voting plan. And I will admit this is a term that I had not heard before this election but I love it because it's because I like plans. And I think honestly, like voting is, is uh, more complicated and for people's lives. Right. So like, as an example, I have a staff uh, person in, in my program who lives in Chickasha, but works in Oklahoma city. And so for her to plan and she's a, a single mom. And so to, to plan 
when she's going to vote and to make sure she has enough time to get there and then get to work or get home and dinner and all of that. It's not just, she can't just pop over there during her lunch break, right? It's like, it's a, it's a 45 minute drive one way. So making a plan makes, uh, makes a difference. So we're going to, we'll, we'll help you break it down. And my plan is that by the time this posts sometime on Friday, the second, Look at the blog post on our website, letsfixthisok.org slash blog. I will have a voting plan document in there. I will also put it out on Twitter and Facebook so you can find it. And I know I know it seems silly, but I think sometimes worksheets are helpful, right? You know uh you know who has a voting plan? Who? Uh Mama Melson, actually. As we sit here recording, my mom is texting me. She is at home, having finished watching the Thunder game. And watching the Thunder game, and she is, has her sample ballot. Mm-hmm. She's going through her sample ballot uh, in preparation for, Good for her going to early vote tomorrow. Excellent. Yes. Uh, as you uh, may or may not know, listeners, dear listeners, you can take your sample ballot with you. That's right. right? You can, it's an open book test. Right. So you can uh, take that business with you. You can uh, fill out all the answers beforehand and then uh, just copy. Yeah, that's right. Just copy straight over. Here's what I put on my sample. Here's what I'm putting on my actual ballot. So, um, so a completely unrelated piece of information, but I just got the answer. Uh, the proportion of registered independents that make up the Oklahoma electorate for this election is 15.5%. That is substantial. 15.5%. Not insignificant, right? So if, uh, if the margin of error is five or less, this is three times that. Right? Uh, yeah. Could skew it. Because the polls don't poll independents typically. Uh, the Sooner poll did here. Oh, that's right. This one it did, this but one normally did, they don't. But it polled them at a rate of 7% of the electorate, so half of what it actually is. Oh, fascinating. Fascinating. So, anyway, there you go. All right. Um, terrific. So, let's talk about what uh, a voting plan is. Let's start with the, it's a, few, it's a who, what, when, where, why kind of situation. Specifically, let's start with when. When are you going to vote? Are you going to vote absentee? Are you going to vote early? Or are you going to vote the day of? If you're voting absentee, you have um, just a couple of days left to mail your ballot in, get it notarized and stamped and in the mail. If you're going to vote early, you can vote early um, Thursday the 1st through and then Friday the 2nd, and then Saturday the 3rd. Those three days, you can vote early at every county election board. So I assume this podcast will post on the 2nd. So if you listen to it before then, well, if you listen to it before the 3rd, you still have time. I might go vote on Saturday. I might vote early again this time because I'm anxious, and I'd like to just get it out of the way. So, And also because um, we may have someone to take to the the polls and i want to be free for that we do have someone to take to actually the I, I found someone else but they're in norman so if you want to drive uh, to norman on monday we can do that uh, well we could do that um so when to vote so first of all select when you're going to vote absentee early or on the day of okay so pick that first and then you're going to pick where you're going to vote so if you vote in absentee it's on paper you do it from home wherever your paper is you mail it in if you're voting early, you vote at your county election board. And if you're voting the day of, you vote at your assigned polling place right in your precinct, which is somewhere near your house, probably not very far. Although I'm fascinated to go to like a rural area where folks like someone's polling place might be several 
you know, 10, 20 miles away, right? Totally, totally. My grandmother lives in assisted living. Her polling place is in her building. I was like, oh, you just go down, go downstairs? And she actually, she lives on the first floor, Dude, so she goes down the hall. How great would that be? Well, no wonder they turn out at such high right? rates, like, right? Like, if I could just, like, go into my kitchen, get my morning coffee, it's and It's, like, vote. on the way to the lunchroom, and I was like, okay, Grandma, good for you. You know, why... I just this is what if it's in the dorms? Well, what can you imagine? Why can't you do it? Like, why can't you vote on your phone? Well, because the Russians could hack your phone, Scott. The FBI can't hack my phone. Yeah, but you know, it's I don't know. I'm (laughs) just saying we can't even register online yet. It's in in, the the FBI can't break into my iPhone, and I have to use a fingerprint to get into my iPhone. That sounds like one great security and two great verification of my identity so that's two different things getting into your phone's hard drive is one step that's difficult hacking the connection between your phone I and know, the election board is a much easier step i know also there are a few states like seven states that don't have paper ballots for validation and even though they've been advised against that this year because like yes because the russians hacked the last election yes golly this is a big deal okay so you've picked when you're you've picked where you're going to vote, um, what to bring with you. Bring your ID, a photo ID would be great if you have one, or you can bring your voter identification card. I personally like to use my voter ID card on principle because some folks don't have photo IDs, but this is adequate, and I like to throw the poll workers for a loop. I like, like to not take my ID and make them let me cast a provisional ballot. You go right ahead, man. I don't really do that. Uh, so uh, so we're going to have a guest in a future week, maybe next week. Um, one of my friends, uh, Michelle Bowie, um, here in town, she works at Elemental Coffee, and she attended the poll worker training. She's going to be a poll worker. Fascinating. She's um, in her 20s, and I was like, that's really exciting. She was not aware until the training that she has to be there from 6.30 a.m. until 7 p.m. She's like, no. All three of us have to walk in together. We have to walk out together, and we cannot leave during the day. She's like, what am I going to have for lunch? I said, we bring a sandwich. She's like, what if it has to stay cold? I was like, put an ice pack. Like, <laughs> listen, we all got through elementary school here, okay? Um, or, po- or Postmates. Right, that's right, yeah. Right. But I'm really excited to hear her perspective um, of what it's like to work at a poll for the first time, right? Um, she she will say, she told me this morning, she's very anxious because she's the the judge or whatever so she's the one that has to determine if someone gets a provisional ballot or a regular ballot and it's a big deal and she feels a lot of pressure that she's supposed to be the one the only one there to make that decision is there not like criteria to you but there's still some subjective stuff there right like so uh, i'm anxious to hear all of her story so well that'll be in a future episode anyway so um what to bring with you bring your id or your voter id card as Scott mentioned, you can also bring a cheat sheet. You can bring your sample ballot. You can bring uh, a note card, whatever you want to do. If you want to scratch it, you want to carve it into stone and bring in a stone tablet. That's weird, but good for you. But legal. It is legal. Also, perhaps sustainable. I don't know. Um, you know, I said that I'm going to vote on Tuesday. I might vote tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> Scott's plan is not written in stone. I don't. I don't write things in stone. That's right. Who does, really? I've got two Dremel tools. I don't write in stone. But God, I love a Dremel. Two Dremels? Man, I have a a cordless one and the one that plugs in. I got a whole bunch of... you don't use either either of them. I have a whole bunch of Dremel tools. It's very... I got the whole, like, drill press. It's... A Dremel tool is just... It's worth its money in gold. Especially when you never use it. 
I used to use it a lot for car stereo installations in my I'm younger just days. Giving you shit because um, it's fun. It is fun. I appreciate it. So, um, what to expect when you get there? If you happen to be listening to this podcast and you have never voted in Oklahoma before, here's what to expect. You will walk in. You may have a line to wait in. You cannot wear or bring anything that propo- that supports a particular candidate. That's called electioneering. So you can't wear your vote stitch shirt, your vote Drew shirt, or anything else. You can wear your Let's Fix This shirt because we just want you to fix it. To all the Chris Powell supporters out there, this uh, applies to everybody, not just you guys. Right. You, yeah, you can't wear your Chris Powell shirt either. Um if you would like a Let's Fix This I Voted shirt, please go to letsfixthisok.org and you can purchase They're one there. They're pretty awesome. I get compliments on it all the time. Or you can wear it. Uh, you can buy one at the election night show next Tuesday at the Tower Theater. Today, I will say that Citizens Bank of Edmond did a uh, cash mob thing at Elemental and all of their staff wore those t-shirts. It was really cool to see all these folks wearing uh, t-shirts. And it basically, it has a I Voted sticker um, screen printed onto the chest. So it looks like you voted every day of the year. That's right. It, there was like several people and I was like, man, they people all voted early. And then I realized, oh wait, you're wearing our shirts. That's awesome. You know how they say it's five o'clock somewhere? Mm-hmm. Every day is election day. Ooh, I like that. Somewhere. 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 Somewhere somebody's voting on something. That's right. All right, so, um, so you can do that. You will not get uh, a partisan ballot in, this is a general election, so everybody gets the same ballot, right? You don't, you don't get asked what party you are. You just get a ballot. If you want to declare your party affiliation out loud to the crowd, just don't. That's kind of weird. Don't do that. Just keep it to yourself and take your ballot and vote. When you get your ballot, walk to the ballot box, color in the square next to the people you want to vote for. No check marks, no X's. Right. And it. these instructions are on the ballot. This is like a Scantron not like a cheesy survey. But it's not a tiny bubble. It's a surprisingly large square. It is a big square. It's uh, roughly three quarters of an inch. No, three eighths of an inch. I was like, uh... I, I would say it's like a quarter inch tall by three eighths an inch wide. Says the man with the dribble. Yeah, that's right. You, no, I'm not going to go down that line of <laughs> that line of questioning. Ends in inappropriate jokes I'll have to cut out later. So anyway... <laughs> Color in the bubble. Look at the instructions. Color it in. Don't check it. Don't check the box. Actually, shade that box in. Don't vote straight party. This is my own instructions. Don't vote straight party because you're better than that. That box should be gone. should be gotten rid of. Vote for the people. Vote for each and every one that you want to vote for. If you're not sure to vote for and you feel weird about it, you can skip it. It will not invalidate your ballot. You can still skip it. This is not the ACTs. You're not penalized for leaving a question blank. That's right. I think it's SATs. Is it? I think the uh, SAT is a power test. I yeah, uh, it's been fifteen years. Yeah, it's been longer. It's actually been like eighteen years. Oh, next God, year will so next year will be my twentieth high school reunion. Don't say that. I need a fancier job or something. Keep that to yourself. Should I get Botox? <laughs> I know a guy. I don't want to get Botox. That sounds terrifying. Botulism in my face. Don't take great care of you. I'm sure. All right, so uh, color that in. You don't have to vote for all the races. And then when you're done, take your ballot, walk over to the little machine and slide it on in there. It's really simple. It'll count your ballot. It'll tell you what number voter you are for that day. So you might be number 27. You might be number 2,865. That would be rad. 
Um, if you want to go ahead and tweet that, that'd be cool. That would would tag us, tag uh, Let's Fix This Okay, and uh, use hashtag Vote Together, which would be really awesome as well. All right, so that's your voting plan, Scott. Um, real quick, let's. I mean, we are almost out of time here. I'm going to run through the ballot. Um, if you don't know this already, go back and listen to our episode from uh, two weeks ago, maybe, where we did our ballot guide, our voter guide. You can also find our voter guide on our website on the resources page, letsfixthisok.org slash resources. Then click on 2018 voter guide. So there's a bunch of state, uh, well, first governor, lieutenant governor, and then other statewide races. Um, so there's like the attorney general, there's the state auditor inspector general. There are um, the state treasurer, well, what else? Insurance commissioner, labor commissioner, corporation commissioner, superintendent. All these things are on there. If you want a summary of what each position does, it is in our voter guide. Um, they're all, I mean, honestly, kind of important. Uh, and to quote the 538 Politics folks in one of their podcasts this week, state elections really matter. There are way more than Congress, arguably, right? So so there are 435 members of the House of Representatives in Congress, but s- nationwide, there are 6,000 state legislative races and governors up for election this year. 6,000. And I'll tell you what, 6,000 people that are the ones that are crafting and passing the laws that affect you day to day is a huge, hairy, honking deal. Yes. Scott's texting and happens to chime in occasionally. I know. Um, I do it too. Hey, no no fault. So the five state questions are on the ballot. Uh, let's go through those real quick. 793, that's allowing optometrists in retail establishments, namely Walmart. That's who funded it. Um, there's that one. 794 is Marcy's Law, or a.k.a. the Victim's Bill of Rights, which is a bit of a misnomer, if we're being honest. 798 would uh, put the governor and the lieutenant governor on the same ticket. I'll be honest, it doesn't matter. Most people think we don't need a lieutenant governor. This is kind of a, just comes out in the wash. Um, State question 800 is the Vision Fund, a.k.a. another rainy day fund. This would put some extra money aside from oil and gas revenue to help stabilize our state budget. Uh, This was proposed initially by David Holt, former state senator, now mayor of Oklahoma City. I think that has been the the nugget that has generated the most interest of folks. Of like, oh well, okay. A lot of folks like uh, like Mayor Holt. They like the senator. So true story. And then uh, finally, state question eight oh one would allow schools to spend their building funds on other things like salaries. That's great if you're rich. It's uh, terrible if you're poor. And there's that. I really encourage you to read our to read our voter guide, to read the one from uh, the if you go to OK Election Guide, is it, or is it OK Voter Guide? The the League of Women Voters has one that's uh, really great. I'll tell you real quick what it is. It is uh, OKVoterGuide.com. They have a really great voter guide. Oklahoma Policy Institute has a great voter guide. The Curbside Chronicle here in Oklahoma City has a great voter guide. Look them all up online. Or if you just go to our voter guide um, at our website, 
we have links at the very bottom of the fourth page for that. Check it out. Um, so, all right. Does that cover that well enough for you, Scott? I think so. Can you think of anything else to say about the forecast that I didn't think of? No, I think I think we're good. All right. So let's let's uh, quick cut to a couple of announcements. That's, I love that kind of weak trombone there. It's trying, man. So two announcements. I love your weak trombone. That's inappropriate. I don't even know what you mean by that. <laughs> <laughs> One time in uh, fourth grade, I would I was doing a mouth trumpet, which also sounds inappropriate. But I w- we had uh, we were in the computer lab. I'm so tired. And we would have uh, our headphones on, and I was over there like <laughs> just rocking out. I'm a little solo. I didn't know that the rest of the class had not put on their headphones, and so I could hear myself. I thought they all were being quiet, and then the kid next to me taps me in the shoulder, and the whole class is looking at me, and I had been like, hey, bro, hey, bro. I mean, like, Winston Marcellus, like, just rocking out over there, and I was very embarrassed. Dude, Wint Marcellus, super nice guy. Did you meet him? I did get to meet him. Uh, I got to meet him and uh, sit on a rehearsal with Lincoln Center Jazz Band, and it was freaking awesome. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Nice. When I was uh, when I was playing the saxophone. Oh yeah, yeah. we should have had you as be the house band for our election night show. Uh, it's been a minute. All right, it's been a minute. Speaking of that, um, as a reminder, next Tuesday um, is the election night show at the Tower Theater, six o'clock p.m. to ten p.m. It's going to be terrific. We've had a few changes. Um, Avenue is going to be our house band. They're a local band. They're really outstanding. They're going to be there. Um, our previous house band had to had to cancel. They had some conflicts that came up. Um, so also live music from Casey Clifford, Stephen Salawan, and Joel T. Mosman. Um, also in-person guests, interview guests, um, Jason Dunnington, House Rep Jason Dunnington, um, Senator A.J. Griffin, Catherine Sweeney for the Journal Record, Ben Odom, um, Felix Linden, Kaki Porch, J.B. Williams, uh, oh, he's JB's going to perform as well. It's going to be great. This is like the Tonight Show, but four times as long, four times as awesome. All Oklahoma guests and musicians, um, free food, free admission. I know the website asks for tickets. They're free tickets. That's just so we can make sure we order enough food. So come on out. Drink specials. You can buy koozies. Scott and I will be on stage. Oh, my gosh. This is an election show for everyone it's it's really gonna it's gonna be pretty awesome oklahoma has never seen anything like yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty awesome i mean like you know there's you know i'm i'm excited to like be in like a place with friends i usually like am at my house on election night like panicking and you know like staring at the tv and yelling and frantically like rechecking twitter so i'm excited to be doing all of those same things but with people it's with with friends. Scott, I have in my hot little hand right here our schedule broken down into five minute increments. I'm gonna hand you a copy. Oh, that's uh that's impressive. It's color coded. That's weighty. It's broken out by like area it. of the stage, including like the screen it. behind us. The Tower Theater is going all out. We're gonna show some really exciting stuff up there. Um if you if you can come at all, I highly encourage you, even for an hour, this will be worth your time. Come to the Tower Theater at six o'clock. Um, you don't have to have tickets. Just show up. Uh, it'd be I, great. Bring I think your it's I think it's cute that you have election coverage wrap up at nine forty five. As though we're going to have a winner by nine forty five. It's a fifteen. Well, our event ends at ten. 
Yeah, but uh, I don't know if the election's going to be over it. <laughs> I think we'll have a good idea about most votes, right? But like, there you may know, be something. The governor, we may not know until four in the morning. Uh, but you know what? Depending on how well our forecast holds up, we may know. Uh, we, we may know seven thirty. We, we we may know. We may be uh, sitting back with our uh, feet up on the desk, saying, "Y'all can keep counting the votes. But we tell you what's going to happen." Smoking that bubblegum cigar or something. That's right. Um, that does not sound good. It does. <laughs> bubblegum cigar. <laughs> That sounds <laughs> disgusting. Do they still give those to new fathers? That, I hope not. Is that still a thing? I hope not. Are, are you supposed to chew it? I have no idea. I didn't know those were the thing. Do you remember when you were a kid that like candy cigarettes you could blow? No, I, and I smoked real cigarettes when I was a kid. <laughs> when you were six years old. I did not really smoke cigarettes as a child. Listen, Mrs. Trotter, I've got a question about this edition. <laughs> uh, no, but I remember buying candy cigarettes when I was like probably, I don't know, 10 or 12, and you could blow on them and like a puff of sugar would come out. Yeah, I remember Isn't those. Isn't that horrifying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those are illegal My now. kids will never, our kids will never experience that, Scott. They'll also never know who Joe Camel is. Well, Lord willing. Big League Chew is still around, though. Oh, yeah. I come oh, yeah. by that. Yeah. I, the grape uh, was delicious. The, gra- it, the is, grape was is, tasty. Uh, is bubble tape still a thing? Oh, I hope so. Six feet of bubble gum the for kids you, that, the kids not that didn't, them. I mean, to not know bubble tape. I mean, now it is objectively terrible bubble gum. My sister would eat the entire six feet at once. Sure. sure. That also sounds terrible, but she would. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. It's the same joke as like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. You heard that joke? No. I don't, I don't want to joke about eating <laughs> pachyderms, but that's the that's the joke. All right. Nice. Good golly. We are at the end of the episode. I'm I will so say, tired. if you are happen to be around on Monday, Monday the uh, 5th at 10 a.m., we're going to do a little ballots, um, ballots um, discussion thing at Citizens Bank in Edmond at Vault 405, which is their co-working space. It's free and open to the public. We'd love to have you come there. We are also going to be at uh, the Patriarch yes. in Edmund at 6.30 on Monday evening. Let me add that to my calendar. Doing uh, a similar sort of uh, learn about your ballot kind of thing. Although, if you're listening to our show, you're probably all set in terms of what's on the ballot. But tell your friends who don't listen to the show that they need to come to the Patriarch on Monday night and have a beer and uh, learn about what's on the ballot. Well, it's, I mean, what time, 6.30? Yes, sir. All right. I mean, I think there's a lot of folks, whether we like to admit it or not, that are procrastinators, right? Yeah. I tend to be one of those. I was diligently working. Well, we're recording this podcast here just a few days beforehand as an example. All right. Scott, anything else we've missed? Nah, dude. (laughs) Nah, man. Excellent. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Don't forget to vote, first of all. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, tell your friends, tell your mom, your weird uncle. That's all cool. Let them know about us. And uh, be sure to rate it on iTunes or Spotify or whatever wherever, whatever it is you listen to us on. Um, be sure to connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Let's Fix This Okay. On Election Day, we're going to be sharing a lot of content on our Instagram story. So be sure to check that out. Scott and I may take one or two folks to the polls for the first time, and we will document and share that for posterity there in our Instagram story. I'll, I'll share it on our Facebook story as well. But uh, And Facebook, it's facebook.com slash let's fix this okay. Scott is at SC Melson. I'm at Andy OKC. Uh, and you can connect. 
Email us at podcast at let's fix this okay. Let's pod this is a uh, production of mostly harmless media. What's well, directed, produced, edited, all stuff by Scott and I. And, but we are a part of the Mostly Harmless Media Network. Our theme music that you hear right now. Yeah, right there. That's from the Sugar Free All Stars. Fantastic local band. We are a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization. And we strive to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with your government. We encourage you to get out, get involved in any way you can. Remember, decisions are made by those who show up. And next Tuesday is when you got to show up. Have a great week, folks. We'll sh- we'll see you on on Tuesday on Election Day at the Tower Theater, 6 p.m. Have a great week. <laughs>